everyone, and welcome to another episode of Indie Comics Spotlight, a show where we spend time looking at an ongoing series or graphic novel from a company other than the big two. The hope here is that we can do a deep dive on an indie comic you may have missed or give you a chance to talk about one of your favorites with us on social media afterwards. I'm your host, Tony Farina of DC Comics News and Fantastic Universes. I've been reading comics since I was 12, and while I love a good superhero battle, I gravitate towards indie comics and standalone graphic novels because they give artists a chance to connect with readers in different ways and tell stories they may not have been able to tell with traditional comics or traditional novels. I hope that you enjoyed the show. All right, well, my guest this week is a, is a family member, which is fun. This is the second time I've got to do this. And so all the way from the great state of Michigan, Kaylin Deck is here. Hey, Shay, how are you? Hi, I'm very good. Thank you for having me on your show. I'm excited. I'm excited about this. So we've actually talked about this for a while, and then we should have done it last summer, um, and then we didn't because I sucked. So that's what happened there, everybody. No, that's why you're getting it now. All busy. Yeah, well, and now, now you're on spring break, so how's that going? Good. Getting a lot of re- relaxing in and crafting and my own, my own things that need it done. That's good. That's all good. And of course, reading. You're a reader. Yes. Yes. Well, let's start there. So anytime somebody new comes on the show, the first thing I ask them is to tell me their comic book origin story. Like we'll tell everybody, you know, how is it? What do you think of graphic novels, comic books, comics, you know, like Calvin and Hobbes, that kind of thing in general? Do you remember the first stuff you read? Do you like them in general? Just tell tell a little bit about what you think of the medium itself. I... I really like comic books because I like art and crafts and um, when you're able to add photos to a story, um, you can tell a lot more uh, about what's going on and about the character and about their feelings. So I think that's really cool. And I think Smile does a good job with that. Um, I also, myself, I feel like when I was first learning to read, while it wasn't a comic book, I did read a lot of Geronimo Stilton. Um, I think the imagery in comic books and in books that have lots of pictures can really help you to become an avid reader. So I think that's what really helped me. And I think Geronimo Stilton, the cool thing, because that's like an old school graphic novel, like graphic novels used to be, there'd be words on this page and then a drawing on this page and Geronimo Stilton kind of mixes those, that idea together where there's definitely, like you said, there's lots of images to help the story along but it still looks like a chapter book in some parts of it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And those are good. And did, are those I have not, because you guys are all grown up. So I don't know. Do they still make those Geronimo Stilton books? From what I understand, they do. Um, they've changed a little bit, though. So I don't know if that means there's a new author or what that means exactly. But I've seen some newer editions and some changes to even a little bit of the illustrations, too. Yeah, and now Geronimo Stilton is an assassin because they need to get in with all the cool Marvel stuff. Is that what it is? No, probably not. Haven't they seen probably... that one yet. He's a pretty no. scared mouse. Yeah, okay. He doesn't go kill other things. It's not violent yet. Okay, that's good. That's probably good. Well, that's good. I think that's I think he's I think that's a great example of of what comic books can do. And I agree with you, obviously. I think you can tell stories in different ways um, that you know that you can't with traditional books. And I think um the cool thing about what we're going to do, Raina's story, is that she's telling her own story. She's a character in it, and she not only writes it, but she draws it, and I, and so we'll talk about all of that. So the book we're going to do is the middle reader, young adult, depending on how you want to categorize it, bio story of Raina Telgemeier. Um, it takes place from the time she's in sixth grade till the time she gets to high school. Um, it's this four-year journey about her teeth, sort of, but not really, but it is, but it isn't, but it is. And so, um, which I think is brilliant and I have thoughts to say about all of that. So we got you a copy of this as your graduate. So everybody, here's the thing. You're like, why would you give an adult person this? Um, we gave Kaylin um, a bunch of books for her classroom because she's an elementary school teacher. And this was on the, the collection of books we gave you for your graduation present. So had you read it before we gave it to you? Had you heard of it? Or was that the first time you, you came across it? I had heard about it and I'd seen a lot of kids reading it at school. Um, it, it was very, very popular. Um, I had not yet read it though. When I first got it, I put it on my bookshelf and I, after reading it, I did read it first. 
And yeah. um, my cousin, who was a middle schooler at the time, saw it and just could not believe that it was on my shelf. And she was so excited about it. Um, so clearly a book for older people as well as as younger people. Yeah, so I agree. I agree. I like, as you know, your mother and I read a lot of middle reader and young adult books, even though we're adults. I think, and we'll talk about that as, as the show goes on and the way that 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 can appeal to multi-audiences. And so, so had she read it then? She saw it on your shelf and she was excited. Yes, she wanted to stay and read all the books on my shelf. (laughs) That was the one that she was the most excited about. And then she was like, what other ones do you have on here? This is great. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, that's good. And you, we got you the, before, when we got them for you, the third one in this series wasn't out yet. We're only gonna talk, this is a series of books. It's called Smile, Sisters and Guts all about Raina's life. Um, uh, but this is just the first one. So you, uh, you have you read Guts yet? I know we haven't sent it to you, but have you read that one yet? I have not read the third book yet. It's good. It's good stuff. She's great. I'm a big Raina fan. So, all right, well, let's get into it. So the plot is Raina, it starts, she's in sixth grade. She's a Girl Scout. They live in San Francisco and she trips and falls and literally knocks her two front teeth out, which begins this kind of cosmic odyssey of of internal strife that she goes through and external growth I think while she's getting her teeth fixed um it's it's pretty gruesome now we both had braces you and I in our lives and had to wear all kinds of weird crap in our mouths so let's just start there how do you think she captured the realism of the just the dental work before we get into like Raina's life itself do you think she she for those people who haven't had it or who are about to have it, do you think she does a good enough job kind of getting you through that as a reader? Yeah, I think she does a very nice job of showing the kind of the anxious, nervous feelings that you have when you're going in there every time and um, just all the sound effects and things that she makes Raina say when, or herself, when she's going through it and just very nervous. Um, I love that the imagery showed almost all the time she was getting laughing gas, sleeping gas. Um, It just definitely gave you that uncomfortable orthodontic flashback feeling. (laughs) Um, My my favorite was one of the pages talked about um, the feeling she had. Um, She was feeling really awkward every time her dentist talked to her or her orthodontist talked to her. She'd want to talk back, but it was just and and she just felt silly and awkward and she was of course self-conscious and it's not her fault it was just stuff in her mouth yeah yeah I agree I love that she actually does those letters where you you don't we as the reader have no idea what she's saying the dentist is like talking talking and she's trying to talk and it's just like a bunch of consonants together garbled sounds um and for anybody who's had or had dental work um I think she does it's really accurate my favorite thing that she does with the dental work is when it, it almost looks like the way that she draws it is that the orthodontist is like really doing damage. Like he's like way in there and it'll be like the, the sound effects will be like grind or pull or push. And it's like really a violent thing. And of course it's not, he's not really doing that, but it's from, it's from her perspective of, and as someone who's had the work done, it feels that way. You're like, why do you gotta be so mean? Yep. Yep. <laughs> I definitely am a sweaty mess when I'm in that chair. <laughs> So I think I'm, she captured it very well. And I, like I said, she, she's very self-conscious kind of girl thinking about herself all the time and just worrying about what the doctor's thinking when she's trying to talk and feeling silly when she's talking and um, feelings that I think a lot of us probably had when we were in that situation at, at a young age. Yeah, I agree. Well, and like you just said, you still don't like going to the dentist. I think by the time the show comes out, I've got a dentist, we're recording this at the beginning of April and I've got an appointment at the end of April. So this will have just come out just before I go or just after I I came back. And uh, yeah, it's never fun. It's like, you think you're doing everything right your whole life. You know, you don't mean, like you said, it's not your fault, but you're like, you go, especially with the orthodonture, there's nothing you can do. It's it's gotta happen. And, um, And I think there's a line in here where she's like, boy, there sure are a lot of dentists. Because she goes to see a periodontist who does the thing to her gums. And then there's an endontist to do the root canal. So I thought that was pretty funny too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that's true. She does a good job of capturing that. And so um, it, it does a lot of work. And so if anybody is an aspiring 
artist of any kind, you can learn a lot from this book because she, it's pretty graphic, I think. Um, what do you make of the way that she depicts that stuff? Because it is drawn in a very cartoony style, like her art style isn't photorealistic or anything, but there's a lot of blood and, and like when she gets her um, gums cleaned, that's really kind of detailed and she colors it in a bright way. What did you make of that? Do you think like that was a little, is there any of that stuff that you think is like, ooh, I maybe I wouldn't hand this to, I wouldn't want a 10 year old to read that or do you think it's okay? Cause it's just, that's the truth. No, I think it's okay. Cause it's, it's the truth. And I, I also think so, she exaggerated it maybe a little bit too, just, um, I mean, but when you are that age and you are getting your teeth worked on, it, it sounds louder in your head. And when you see blood, you're thinking, oh my gosh, what did they yank out if you can't feel it? And then when you can feel it, it feels like, you know, one touch of metal and you're like, oh, you're jumping. And so um, I think she just did a good job of using the imagery to show how the middle school her saw it. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I think everything, that's the one thing she's writing about herself, but she's writing it from a perspective of someone who, who she's aware that when you're 12 or 13, you you see things completely differently than when you're in your 30s or 20s or however old she was when she wrote this. Um, I agree. I think it's I think it's it's you know hyperbole intentionally to make us pay attention to to it. But people who've <laughs> never gone through it will know like, ooh, that looks pretty awful. Yes, it is pretty um, awful. Another thing I liked was how she portrayed her the friends asking questions and and always wanting to see her teeth and her her feelings about it and wanting to keep it a secret and not show people and her feelings of embarrassment um she did a nice job with that I think because I felt like I I could connect to that I remember going to school with my herbs appliance sticking out and people asking to see it or open my mouth or if it hurt and um most notably I remember being embarrassed, but the day I was getting it off, such a happy day, a middle school boy came up to me and had said, what's in your mouth? <laughs> I mean, I was, I didn't know if I should be mad or mortified. I was embarrassed. I said, oh, one more day. And he wouldn't even have noticed that it was even there. Yeah. And so definitely fun and funny the way she kind of showed how kids react to it and respond to it too. Right. And I think it's so, I think that'll be a good way to transition into the overall themes because it is about teeth. It's called smile. It is about, so what happens is the plot is everybody. So you're like, how can you do something for four years? And because you wore your herbs and I had to wear a version of that. Rachel did too. Um, uh, where essentially sometimes you have to wear things that move your mouth before you can even get your braces in. So this is a long time to do. And especially when you're a teenager and she's growing and everything. So because she lost her teeth and they were her permanent front teeth, they first, they tried to just stick them back in and they wouldn't hold because she had done some damage to her gums. So what they decide to do, and this is bananas to me, but this is all real. They decide to put braces on her and pull her teeth together so that her front two teeth are actually her outside, her second and like her third and fourth teeth outside of her main two like chopper teeth. It's crazy that they did that. So it took four years and, um, it, and, they, and they really go into the details. So that's why it takes so long. But I also think it's really fascinating that it happens during this specific time. Because if you're trying to sell this book to a publisher and are like, look, I'm gonna tell a story about four years when I had to get my teeth fixed, people are like, nah. But do you think, but it works. And do you think it works simply because of the age that she's in and that the teeth are definitely a metaphor for what it's like to go through middle school and that freshman year of high school? Um, how do you think, because you talked about like the self-consciousness of it and, and the fact that it is your teeth, it's the most visible thing about you really. Um, so, so what do you make of that? Like as a story, as, as a metaphor for her life, do you think it's accurate or do you think it's like overdone and really she could have still just told her life story without the teeth? No, I think it's accurate. I do think it's a more of a metaphor. I think that if you read it as a young reader, you would, you would really connect to it. And that's why this book would be good for you. You would connect to it. You, you feel those similar emotions at school and have similar experiences. Um, 
that that make you feel different and this is something that makes you feel different um and maybe not everybody had the, the braces or the herbs appliance or the, the medical difference but i feel that every middle schooler or tween is going through that phase where there's something different about them that um, they're embarrassed about and they have to kind of overcome and i think that young readers they might not see that while they're reading it they may just connect um, but it's also something older readers can really connect to as well because the older readers can see um, the bigger picture too, which I think is very neat and well done. Yeah, I agree. I think it's really, what, what I like about, there's some bad middle reader stuff out there, but I think the good middle reader stuff is real honest and it has a second layer, like you said, and it's something that adults can relate back to because we are all... And I think this is the one thing that Raina dives into. When she first goes in, there's definite scenes where it's about her teeth, but it's just like, oh, good. Not only do I have braces, but I'm breaking out. And like when they first come back, I think it's in eighth grade and she's got zits and another friend got tall and another friend got boobs and another friend didn't and another friend had a bad haircut. And it's like all these things happen. And to each girl, it's the worst or best thing that ever happened in that moment. And I think we forget about that the further away we get from it is that while they're all like, oh, let's see your teeth and let's look at this. And that's the through line. They, they all have their own things. And it's almost like a relief to them that there's something wrong with Raina because then maybe like they can deflect their own weirdness. And even if you don't have braces or you don't have glasses or you don't have anything, middle school just kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah, especially when that's all you can think about. Um, I think that for middle schoolers, all they can think about is what's wrong with themselves when they see other kids coming to school looking older and better than they feel inside. And um, I think later on in the book, she also does a good job of um, having a big moment that makes her realize, okay, I'm not the only one. And and this isn't the biggest deal in the whole world because she has another experience later on in the book that shakes her literally. And yeah, yeah, I think that is like the moment where she begins to realize that everybody has these little flaws and things that they want to change about themselves. And you just got to learn to live with them, I think, is something that. Well, and, and so here's the big question, though, because we all you're absolutely right. Everybody has that. And so there's books like this that have these lessons out there, but yet for whatever reason, we can't seem to get it through. Like when you're 12, it's like you said, it's the end of the world. And it is, it's all because to you, you're 12 and this is awful or you're 14 or you're whatever. When you're in middle school and even early high school, you're like so worried. Like you said, right from the beginning, this whole book is about Raina being worried about herself and not trusting herself and not feeling good about herself. And so this book is showing us like it's going to get better and, but it's still hard to know. So you mentioned that maybe kids who are reading this in the moment may miss it um, and that it's a reflective book. So is this book, is this something that you, because I know you're teaching younger kids than this, but, but if you were to be teaching fifth, sixth, seventh graders, is this a book you could try to use in class? Do you think it would reach them or, or is it too on the nose and they'll miss it because they can be like, oh, that's not me. That's, you know, is, is it, is it almost too real that they can miss the point? Um, I definitely think there's a lot of teachable moments in this book. And um, there's a lot of different things about self-confidence and trials and triumphs that um, middle schoolers could benefit from. When thinking about like the audience that would most benefit from it, I would say it is middle schoolers. However, when they're going through that, um, I just like she said it and showed us it's really hard to relate and realize that other people can be feeling that even if it's right there staring us in the face um, so I think that this book might be a book for fifth grade just right before you're starting to feel these extremely big emotions you're fifth grade you're beginning to feel like that big kid you're beginning to feel like you're you're one of the older kids you're one of the cool kids maybe and um, so fifth grade is a good time to talk about these challenges and these struggles that some kids face. And um, I, I did write a lot about the different teachable moments that this book could be used for. 
Um, it talks about losing friends and friends changing. And it talks about um, how we can respond when we see somebody who's different from us. And, um, and one thing that I, I really liked was the idea that we should talk more about the things that make us different and the things we wear to fix our bodies because all of us have them. Um, and by not talking about them, it makes them strange and different. And if we were to talk about them more and to normalize them, kids could feel more confident in themselves. Um, at a younger age. I totally agree. I think there's, there's definitely this, and that's, that's the, and when you say we, I mean, like at the parent is like, that's ah, no big deal. You're fine. We love you. It's different when, cause you're, you're like, Oh, well, of course you're saying that cause you're my mom or you're my dad or whatever. But when it, when you can, I think that's the right term when you can normalize it into school, when the teachers can bring it up, when then it's a, just a conversation and it kind of becomes part of the kid's lexicon and mindset. I think fifth grade is the right time to read this the first time. And then maybe refresher as you go through life because you're like, oh, right, I got to remember um, the lessons I learned there. Because you're right, everybody is going to go through something. Everybody's going to get a growth spurt before somebody else or not get a growth spurt. That's the worst for, for boys. They feel like, you know, if they, if they are the last one to grow, and they're just a puny little kid, and, you know, and, the, and all their friends are like have mustaches and can dunk, then they feel bad. And for girls, it's the same thing. Like your your friends are are developing and you're not. So I definitely think that's right. That there's a there's this whole book is full of those moments. And I and I almost wonder if if you know putting a lesson plan around them is the way to go, or just doing what we're doing, having the kids read it and be like, let's just talk about it and for, see if that would get there. Um, sorry for. For older students, for middle schoolers, I, I would be interested in doing something rather than just reading it with them, like, like I might consider for a fifth grade class. I would say for, for middle school, what might be really good to do would be just a short excerpt from the book. Maybe you notice some kids are having a hard time because they lost their friend group when they moved from fifth grade to the middle school. Um, so maybe you do a short, short little piece on it. Um, a, modeled or guided writing activity based on one of the chapters and maybe the chapter you choose is the one where Raina is realizing you know these girls aren't they're not my friends anymore they're not here to support me and maybe in giving them just a taste of that book um, and not really forcing it on them it might help them to you know feel like it was their own choice if they decided to pick it up and read it and so in providing a small lesson from the book maybe you know it could really encourage them to connect to it and possibly read it themselves. Yeah, I think, well, that was our idea by getting these books for you is that they'd be your classroom library books and that they would just be there for that reason. So you'd be like, oh, you know, this book's really good or they see you reading it or something and then they want to go pick it up. I totally agree. You, we keep kind of dancing around the Rotten Friends. So let's just talk about it for, for a second. Um, so in particular, Karen and Nicole are garbage people, in my opinion. Um, and, and I, you know, I don't know enough. I hope that she changed their names. I mean, I know this is her life story, but they come across pretty bad. They're awful people. Um, and, and you make the point that she comes to the realization when they pants her later, like that's, that was horrific. I, I mean, and they're like, you had tights on underneath. What? I mean, they were just, that was such a, they were in high school when they did that too. It was such a juvenile, awful thing. But anyway, so Nicole early on, uh, writes in her yearbook, you know, something about being a vampire. And Karen has just been mean to her the whole time. So what is that about? Like, what do you think? Because again, I assume that Karen and Nicole are amalgamations of people, that there wasn't really a Nicole out there who read this book and was like, boy, I sucked. Um, what, I hope not anyway. So what is the, what do you think that she's saying about the way that like you mentioned about sometimes it's just geography or these were all girls who were in a Girl Scout troop. So like that idea of, of having friends when you're in middle school and then having different friends in high school and the commentary she's making there about what do you do when your friends suck? Because we all know there's people whose friends suck and they stay friends with them forever. And you're like, why are you friends with that guy? He's awful. Um, and everybody's got their own reasons. So what do you think she's saying? Raina is telling us the reasons are why we're friends with the people we're friends with. Um, I'm, 
I am not sure I'm going to answer the question the right That's way. That's okay. I just but rambled. So you rambled. Um, Let's go. I, I think that she, she is trying to tell us that it's, it's okay to grow apart from friends. Um, and I think that she was trying to hit on the fact that they grew apart more so than that she doesn't like them anymore. Um, because she does make a point in the story to say it was an amicable, amicable breakup. They still say hi to each other in the hall and give each other updates when they see each other. Um, so I think she was trying to make a point to show that she was ready to change and ready to make a change that was for her and not just her friends. Um, and even though it was hard, um, it was something that she needed to do. Um, I also, I noted that many, many times throughout the book, she mentioned it was funny. Um, so I think she also kind of showed kids a, a, a different side. She showed kids that, you know, if, if kids are saying this to you and they're hurting your feelings or doing things that are really hurting you, you can just say no. You, you, you can walk away from those friends because those, those aren't true friends. Um, and I think she was kind of trying to show us what true, true friendship looks like, um, while also saying she understands how hard it is to move away from those kind of friends, because you think they're your friends, you think they're the ones that are always going to be there for you. Um, and she kind of shows you that it is okay to walk away from that and to um, find people in your life that make your life better. Yeah, I agree. And I think, I think you bring up the joke thing, because I feel like some of her, I feel like the early on when she first is in sixth grade and she first has the teeth missing and they're kind of short. So she, she gets the cast and they take the cast off and it turns out that the teeth, cause she had done so much damage to her gums. Cause she literally falls on the sidewalk and breaks her face. The, the, um, the teeth go up too far. So it's like this little, you know, kind of makes her look like a vampire. And so She's like, oh my God, I'm worried that it's going to make me look like a baby. And one of her friends says, well, you know what makes you really, that doesn't make you look like a baby, but you know what does? Those pigtails. And it's like, wow, that was awful. But she could have been just, you could have read that as, well, her friend's just making a joke to make her feel better. She's like, nobody's even going to notice your teeth because those pigtails, ha ha. And there are friends who sometimes joke in a mean way who do that. And some people like that. Like they razz each other and their whole thing is put downs. And I think- She's also acknowledging that there are friendships that are based on kind of maybe, like you said, you may not be comfortable, but they may think it's great. Like maybe Karen and Nicole go on and stay friends and they razz each other and they're out in the world right now texting each other nasty things about each other. Like, yep, your butt does look fat in those jeans and like whatever. And they think that's funny, but obviously Raina didn't. So, so I do think you're right that she is trying to make that point. I guess I wondered how you felt. Did you ever feel that her friends were, were trying to be funny or did you read it as, because I read it the whole time that they were being mean, but I'm glad you brought that up because you're right. Maybe they weren't trying to be mean. Maybe they thought they were being funny. I think that middle school is an age where you don't want to be mean, but being mean definitely gets a reaction out of people and the, the surrounding groups of people. So I think that I think some of the time it may not have been to be funny. It may have been to be mean, but, um, or not even to be mean, but to get attention of others, to um, kind of be in that fun spotlight and to be seen as the funny, quirky girl. Um, so I think in wanting to have friends and maybe fit in, um, they might've ruined a good relationship with Raina in trying to fit in and to be funny. Yeah. I think that's true. I just did, um, I don't think I've sent you these books yet, but I had Brenna Thumler on not that long ago. She's the writer and artist of The Sheets and Delicates, um, which is another middle reader book. It's very similar to this. Um, it's about ghosts though, but um, it's the same thing where like those, those girls, like there's that middle school time when you're trying to separate yourself um, from, from maybe your what you what you know, not necessarily from your friends, because it's what I, the reason I'm bringing that up is because in that book we see those characters with their parents, and the only people we really see with their parents in this is Raina, 
So what do you make of that to the fact that we don't, like when you look at Karen in particular, who was so mean, I think she's the one who pantses her. And I just think that's a horrible thing to do. Don't do that, everybody. Don't pants people. It's not funny. Um, what do you think, like, do you work, do you think as you're reading it? Cause I do like, did you create backstories? Like, why would Karen be this way? Why is Nicole so mean? We don't see what their family lives are like. Do you think there's something to be said there that like, we don't know why they, cause you were just saying, sometimes you're just doing it to stand out. You're doing it to get attention. Maybe at home, nobody pays attention to Karen. And so at school, she's the queen bee by being me. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't know that I fully looked at the looked into their backstories or thought about their backstories, but now that you say that, I I wonder if some of these girls have moms who, you know, point out their flaws intentionally or unintentionally. Maybe they have parents that are, you know, have you brushed your teeth today? Wow, your teeth are very yellow today. <laughs> have, did you comb your hair? Like maybe some of these girls are coming from families with parents who are very put together and have high expectations of their looks. And so with these high expectations at home and expectations at school, maybe um, they're, they're kind of putting their frustration out on Raina, you know, like, look, Raina has this, I don't have this, like uh, maybe something along those lines, thinking of um, their families, I guess. Yeah, because she deliberately doesn't show us. And I think, and that's, you know, because I like subtext. I like to look at what's there, but then also look at like deliberately what's not there. And of course, because it's Raina's story told from Raina's perspective, whereas in the other book, when Brenna Thumbler, with her books, it's all fiction. And so, of course, she can move us around and we can see what other actors, what other people in the story are doing, where with Raina, it's her story. So she has to be in every scene. So it yeah. is very one-sided. I think that too, getting away from their backstories and more into just middle schoolers in general, I mean, as a middle schooler, you are trying to stand out. You want to be part of the, the fun group. You want to be seen as somebody to be around. You want to be seen as the smart, social, fun kid who's got it all going. Um, so I think in middle school that and even a little bit into high school, you see where kids are kind of pushing away from their parents and they're trying to, no, I don't, no, my mom does not go to the mall with me. She drops me off. Right. That's, yeah. That's we, embarrassing. Yeah. Why we don't go to the movies now? together. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So um, I think, I think that's part of it too. She was, you know, in middle school, you weren't seeing parents as much, you, you know, and when you were, you, it was usually yours and you were embarrassed. <laughs> I'm well aware. So, You're welcome. No, I think that's totally true. I think that's right. And I, I, I really do think she does a great job of, of, um, of showing us that. And I think what's, I think it's really fascinating that she doesn't always paint herself. And like, she's not the hero in her own story. Like she's her own worst enemy sometimes. And she's awful to people too. Like in particular, her siblings. And I get in future books, we learn more about the antagonistic relationship that she and her younger sister have. But at first, in this book, I think there's times when her sister's just being a kid and she's pretty awful to her. Um, do, what do you make of the way that she depicts? Because she's the oldest. You're a middle child, obviously, so it's a little bit different. But um, like, what do you what do you make of of the way that she depicts Raina in her like she's not always nice to her mom. She's not she's definitely not always nice to her dad. Um is that a weird choice as a writer to be like the main character is also kind of a jerk sometimes? No, because I think she was really trying to get into that middle school mindset. And I think in, in middle school, like we talked about before, um, you're very self-absorbed. You're all you can think about is that awful thing that's happening to you. Um, it's hard to think of anything else. So if you're miserable, everybody else should be miserable. If you're, <laughs> If, right. if you're upset about something like they should be upset too why are they having a good time laughing in the other room like knock yeah. it off yeah, stop I don't playing want... games don't do yeah. that and the playing the games thing too it's like the sister's like let's get this other game that we could play together and just out of spite she doesn't even though she could even though she knows it would be fun to get a game that the whole family could play together she deliberately picks a game that her sister won't play with her just to be awful and I just I think you're right I thought that was like a it was a nice touch 
Um, Cause it was true. No main character is perfect. No. And I think um, another kind of person that she's kind of unkind to is Sammy, her first little y- younger, tiny boyfriend. tot crush. Yeah, the tiny um, tot. Sixth yeah. Grade. yeah. Um, she, you know, he's really cute and she's eyeballing him for so long. And then she goes on summer break and comes back. And when he still kind of has a crush on her, she doesn't um, really do anything about it. And um, I think that's another teachable moment um, where Raina could have been kinder. She, um, and I think, I think we all have go through this when we're having our first relationships or attempting to, at least we go through, you know, a period where we're oogling over this one person and just can't think about anybody but that person and while we're oogling over them we're doing the same things to this other person there was a literal line that Raina said that her crush said to her it was I'm struggling to come up with it but he she asked if he was going to the dance and he I think he answered don't know don't know I don't something like along those lines and she was devastated and then in the hallway, Sammy asked her and she responded the same exact, exact same way. Yeah. And, um, yeah. and she was, she seemed oblivious to it too, that she did that. Like, if I'm responding this way, what does that mean about my crush? Does that mean he does, you know, she didn't even put it into context. And um, I think that's a good teachable moment too, where um, just about honesty and had she been more honest up front, Sammy might not have been crushed that night waiting for her all night long. Yeah, that was pretty rough. And again, I think it's also important that we do get some, like you said, we do learn later through one of her other friends that he stood there and waited for her all night and was really, because she she does tell him she's going to go and she does go and she shows up and then she doesn't go in the door and she turns around and just goes home. And so her mom's like, is everything okay? Because she just comes home alone too. And her mom's like, what are you doing? here you're at the dance um because it's the late 80s early 90s everybody and there's no phones which we'll talk about too I have some questions for you about that too but um but anyway yeah so I do I am glad that she does fill in that he was devastated and then there's just a line later they never spoke again afterwards and how sad because they were friends they were in band together even if she doesn't like him he could have been a good friend he still could have been somebody important in her life but she blew it um yeah, I think that was really, I think that's, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, because she, she can't control herself. Do you, and I wonder, do you think, is it the pressure of the other people who keep making fun of Sammy that why she turns her attentions to Sean? Or is it that she herself realizes Sammy's too young for me, even though it's a it's not even a year and Sean is my age. Do you think it was the pressure from the friends or do you think that's just true to being a 13 year old that your attentions flip on a dime? I feel like um, maybe the author's purpose was to kind of show that um, her her friends did impact her feelings towards Sammy. However, I think if that's the point she was making, she might have done it sooner and more frequently. Um, however, it happened after the summer. So it was like one minute she was fully into Sammy and then summer happened and she was like, no, look at Sean. Yeah. <laughs> Right. He's new and he's an athlete. And yeah. Yeah. I think she was kind of showing and depicting that, you know, we're young and we don't know what we want yet. And one minute she was so in love with Sammy and the next minute Sean had everything that she needed in a guy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So much so that she tries out for basketball and everybody like when she's like, I tried out for basketball today and I didn't make it like everybody in her family, even her little brother, Will's like, what, why? Why would you have done that? That makes no sense. So it was really funny that the things that you're willing to do to try to get other people's attention. And again, even it's completely against her, who she is, but it's because um, she was trying to get his attention so much. And that that's another, I saw a lot of teachable moments throughout the book. So that's another one. There were a couple instances where, you know, should I change for one person? And I think that's another um, theme that you could, share with students and discuss. Um, it came up multiple times where she wasn't sure if she wanted to change something about herself for a person. So trying out for the team, instead of pigtails, she was wearing her hair down or in one ponytail. Some of those things, um, should we change for one person? And if we should change, what should we change? Um, and I guess what I mean by that is, 
you want to change for the better. And as a middle schooler, changing for the better isn't the same as an adult. Changing right. for the better is, <laughs> oh my gosh, this girl doesn't like my hair. I guess I got to wear it in a bun from now on. Or um, so like that kind of change is different from maybe being kinder or doing things for others or caring yeah. more about our own needs. Well, and I think that's the, the, I was just flipping through as you were talking to get to the, when she goes to this party and they're playing spin the bottle and she taps out, she's like, I'm not playing. And it was like, why are you going to do it? And she's like, all these guys who are our friends here at this party, we don't like them very much. They're all kind of weirdos and we're not interested in them. And every one of these people you're kissing, you're all like, gross, like blurred is the, is the word that she puts in there. And I think it, it showed that was such a great moment to me as a teachable moment where she's like, the easy thing to do would have been like, play spin the bottle, get my first kiss out of the way, even if it's some dumb boy. But she writes, why would I want my first kiss to be when all the, to be with any of these guys? They're all so gross. It's such a great line. And it's so important because it shows exactly what you're saying is that's the first time in the book, really, right at the end of eighth grade, when she finally is like, coming to a realization on her own. Nobody nudged her in any way, shape or form. It was just her observing her surroundings and making a tough call. She's the only one at the party who doesn't do it. And that's hard to be the only one anywhere to not do something. I noted that as well. Um, yeah, page 162, I noted that yeah. she can really teach kids about saying no, even when it's the unpopular choice. Um, and that is extremely hard. I think everybody goes through that at some point in their life, whether it's about um, the things that they like to do or whether it's a religion or um, whether it's your first kiss, you know, how embarrassing to have to say no in front of a whole group of kids that is doing that. Um, uh, I can't imagine. I was very impressed with her ability to say no because there were many instances in the book where or days in the book where she probably would have just said yes and went through with it. Um, so I was very impressed with her ability to say no then. And um, she really stood her ground, which I think is really important for kids to see that um, we really need to stick to our own morals no matter who is around. Yeah, because it's not like in the spin the bottle scene, it's not like it's pretty chaste. They're all just doing pecks on the list, lips and then be like, ew, gross. And so it's not like it's a, it's not, there's nothing gross or super sexual about it. But even in that, she's like, because even in her head in that moment, she's like, well, you want it to be special. And then she has this like fantasy about it being Sean at the dance and everything, which is just silly because that's still where her head is. She and loves she, him so much. Of course. And she, but she also went to her perfect ideal self too. I don't know if you remember. She did. She, yeah. Yeah. She was, she had it also be perfect. So while she's trying to stick to her morals, she has this, these perfect ideals, which I think we all have yeah. and it takes a long time to get away from them I feel like I'm not even away from them yet I feel like when I'm having the worst days it's the days that I had an idea and a perfect picture of how that day was going to go and when it didn't go that way so frustrating and that makes it the worst day because you have an idea of what it's supposed to look like and how it's supposed to play out and how perfect you are supposed to be um and she you know she looks like a supermodel in that. Right, I know it goes. She's she, that's on the not side. realistic. She's not going to be a yeah. middle school supermodel at any right. time. All of a sudden, she's a foot taller and her hair is a foot longer, and yeah, she's perfect. Yeah, and he's perfect. He's grown a foot. Yeah, everything is. Awesome. Yeah, I think it was great. And that's again, that's where a comic book, where a graphic novel, can do that. Where if this were written out in book form, there'd be no good way to capture her fantasy in that way. Um, you know, it would have to be a show or it would have to be this. Yeah, I, that is definitely one of my favorite pages because it's so, because the top panels and the bottom panel are reality. And there's this middle panel of, oh, and literally there's like pink music flowing behind her and everything is perfect and it's obscene. That would never happen. So I think it's great. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I think um, that's really cool. So, um, so she moves on. There's, um, there's an earthquake that happens that was real. Obviously that happened. Um, and, and this is the earthquake. The reason I bring this, I want to bring the earthquake up is they're all fine. Everybody survives the earthquake, but the, there's no phones. There's no, this is, this is told in the late eighties and early nineties. Do you, do you think that that makes this story harder to connect to, you know, 
to your younger cousins and to people who've never, who've grown up as digital natives is, is the fact that this story is set in a time when that stuff doesn't happen. Is that like, would a 10 year old go, well, why didn't they just call their dad cell phone? But of course he didn't have one because it was 1990. So he didn't. Um, do you think that the that date by telling this as a biography, which means it's set in a time when she's in high school and middle school. So she's my generation. She's a Gen Xer. So this is what it was like for us. Does that take, does that take away, is that going to take people out? Is this story going to be able to be in 20 years, will people still be able to use this book and all of its teachable moments because it's so dated or not, do you think? Does the story transcend the reality of the time zone? No, I, I think it'll still be very relatable. I think that I think that kids might not even notice because they're mm. so used to having phones. Like I could see them not even really noticing. Um, and the reason I say that is because she doesn't draw it out that much. Um, she, she does mention, you know, it's a little, you know, they had to get on the news to see what's happening. They all had to go outside to see what was going on. Like, so she does kind of hint at it and like show that it is different. Um, but she doesn't really drag it out very long and pretty quickly you find out dad's okay. And so I, I feel like it, kids might have more questions had she drawn that part out a little bit more. Okay. But I that's feel fair. like it was still pretty quick. I don't feel like you waited very long to find out if dad was Okay. Um, and maybe the kids would have more questions if they did have a moment where the kids were scared and, and mom was telling them dad's going to be home soon. Or, you know, maybe if they had a moment where they were worried about dad, but I feel like it, it moved so quick and transitioned so quickly to dad being home and being okay and talking about sports already. Yeah. Um, he was so mad they canceled, they had to postpone the World Series, which yeah. is true. That actually happened. Yeah. Right. And so that went, it went so quickly to his frustration over sports that I feel like it really kind of missed it. I don't, I don't know that kids are going to notice that too much. Okay. That's fair. Well, and then, so the follow-up question to that is too, the, the book is called Smile and the last picture, the last scene is her getting her picture taken and she's smiling because she doesn't have her braces and she's a, and, and, it's not just that she doesn't have her braces and that her teeth are fixed, but, but that her life is a little better. I mean, she's still in high school, things still suck, but she's got this good group of friends. She's in her place. She's just gone to a dance and had fun. And that's where she's getting her picture taken. So the picture thing, again, this is part of technology. Everybody has a phone now, which means everybody has a camera now. And back then in the 80s and 90s, you know, one of her, her biggest anxieties in this is getting her picture taken. And it only comes up three or four times throughout the book. And so does, is that even more, is that part of what makes it relevant? Is that now you can't turn around without somebody taking your picture. So if you don't want your picture taken, everybody's essentially a photojournalist at all times. Does that, does that help the story, the relevancy live on? Because a kid today who's going through what Rain is going through would have it, have it, that extra layer of anxiety is, is my friend taking my picture right? You know, just that whole concept of we're growing up. You guys grew up in a time. You, you, you're, you know, you're a little bit different. You're a, you're technically a young millennial. You're not a Gen Z. You're just at that stage, right? But it's still. So you didn't get a phone until late in high school. So you didn't have an iPod, and you know the other girls started to get them younger ages, and you know, and now I'm assuming your cousins they they probably have devices at like twelve that has a camera and everybody's taking their own picture. People are taking selfies and there's all of the filters on Snapchat and everything where you can make not just the fun ones that you can make yourself look like a cat, which is fine, but the ones that kind of make you look more grown up or they, you take a picture and you can, you can scrub your own picture on, you know, on your phone. So this idea of image, this is where I'm going with this. Sorry, it's a ramble. But this idea of body image and the way that photography and capturing those images are affecting younger people, girls in particular. That's here in the background, but I wonder, is that a conversation we can use this story to have with girls right now? Yeah, I definitely think it relates to girls right now. Um, I think girls right now probably have more anxiety over image than Rena felt, um, just because photos are so easily accessible. Um, I know grown women who they don't do it, go a day without perfecting their hair and makeup. And that can take two to four hours to get ready for their regular day, just to go on a walk with a friend. Um, so I feel that 
it does still connect and I don't know that it, I don't know when it won't. Um, but I feel that some kids today probably have more anxiety and more self-conscious tendencies than even Raina did. And Raina was a, a ball of emotions in middle she school was. when thinking about her appearance and how she looked and what other people were going to think of her. I think kids today have it a little bit worse because they, it's, it's everywhere. It's all the time. They have to update their posts. They want to stay relevant. They want to be on TikTok. They, they want to impress their friends or friends, so-called friends. <laughs> um, the people that they associate with. Yeah. Yes. And they, they don't, they don't know any different. So I feel like there's more of a pressure today to always look and be your best um, at an even younger age. I feel I didn't start asking to wear makeup until eighth grade. Um, some kids started in fifth grade, but I feel it's it's now way younger and way younger because we have this need and desire to look good at all times for our social stories and our social media. That's what I meant to say. Yeah, I agree. I, I think to me, that's the thing as I was reading it this, this time, because it's been years since I read it and I reread it over the weekend, getting ready for this. And that's the thing that struck out to me the most was like, man, just what you said, I was like, there's this, there's the, the importance of this story. I, I'm with you is it's even more relevant today because it's, it's not just about all the stuff we've talked about, but it is also about that imagery. And because smile, you know, that's what you say when you take pictures and it ends with her getting her picture taken where she actually smiles. And if you look through most of the story, anytime Rain is getting her picture taken, she's not smiling. She's nervous about her teeth, which anyone, again, with braces. And it's not just that she has braces, but she was literally missing teeth. And there's a there's a scene early on where she gets a retainer that fills in the gap. And so to her, she's done. She doesn't need to do anything else. She'll just wear the retainer forever. And she's so excited. Um, but then she's like, oh, I got to take it out. Anybody who's ever had a retainer knows sometimes you get popcorn or peanuts under there and you got to go rinse it out. And so there's a really funny scene where she has to go find a bathroom to clean a retainer. I thought that was, and so she goes from being super smiley to not smiling at all. And so the book title is smile, obviously. So I just, I couldn't, I was really struck by that. And, and like you mentioned, kids are wearing makeup younger, but, but to me, what I see is those are the filters that make you look older than you are too, that you could just, you could be a 10 year old and take a selfie and then turn a filter on to make you look older by just adjusting your face or putting makeup on the image that you have. So I know there are people, and I've read stories, and I know these are outliers, but it stresses me out to think people have taken pictures of themselves with filters and then tried to use makeup or go, you know, surgery even to make themselves look like an animated version of themselves. It's frightening a little bit. Yeah. Um, I definitely see it more and more. And I, I, I feel like there's been times where, you know, I'm, I'm feeling like I look kind of gross. I might slide the filter just so I, <laughs> just so I'm a little fuzzier that day instead of, you know, fully on and there with my red blotchy face. So, I mean, the fact that I, as a 25 year old feel that way, almost 25 year old feel that way. And sometimes will cover my blotchy face. I just, I can't imagine some of the younger kids who are wanting to look older and wanting to look a certain way and and have a certain look that they think is desirable. Yeah, no, I agree. And I just think it's so relevant. I, I just kept running through my mind. I was reading this. It's like, oh man, I it, like you said, it's, she's already, Raina's already in 1989 and 1990, the book ends in 92, um, full of anxiety and stress. <laughs> what would it have been like if if Nicole and Karen had cameras? Oh, you know, that would have, I don't even know that she'd have been able, she would have wanted to go to school. I would, you know, it would have been, um, and that is true. It just, it's it's the social, social media and I'm not trying to be old man screaming at a cloud, but, but there is definitely an argument to be made for, um, you know, dialing that stuff back because this book shows without the technology, middle school is hard enough adding that in your cousin's a middle schooler now, you know, so, but she's already read this. So that's good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so she loved time, it. So that's good. So next time you guys see each other, which will be soon. Um, I think, I think the trick with some kids is just tricking them into reading stuff like this because yeah. it is good for them and they can connect and it shows that they can connect. 
yeah. on a side, a little tangent, yeah, something that see. I loved, another, another kind of issue or social interaction that came up was um, the flirting. Um, when you're new to flirting and, you know, middle school, um, you, you don't know what you're doing. You have no idea. <laughs> and I love that she really depicted that. And um, she, she mentioned, um, you know, practice. She's like, oh, I can practice flirting on these boys because I don't actually yeah. like these ones. And, and immediately in the next scene is a picture of her shoving a boy and it says shove. Yeah, I <laughs> know. So she doesn't know what she's doing. Yeah, awesome. That's her, her version of flirting. And it, it just truly shows that everyone goes through challenges of some kind in middle school. And, you know, I can really, I was maybe not the shoving kind, but you know, <laughs> my compliments were stingers they were they were zingers more than more than like hey you're cute they were like oh you look like a pig face like yeah because that's gonna make people like you how you is he gonna them? think that know that i like him if i called him that you know but when you're in middle school you don't know what to do so you shove and you call them a name to try to make them laugh yeah no that's true that is that is true well um, another Oh, sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, let's talk about any other things we wanted to bring up and then we'll start wrapping her up. Okay. The other thing that I had was on page 205, there's the photo of the new Raina um, before she goes to the dance. And it's, I love it because it really shows her beginning to grow up. Um, it still has a picture of, I think, Ariel from The Little Mermaid. As oh, a yeah. picture of herself with her pigtails. So it kind of shows her growth, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I just think it's cool how these little items really represent who she is now. And it kind of shows her standing there. Yeah. Yeah. This one, and it's got the Bart Simpson picture there because yeah, there was she had a Simpson shirt on earlier and, uh, and somebody's like, my brother wears that shirt. And she's like, so, but yeah, it definitely was, was, uh, cause then like later, that the callback to that is later when she's making her new friends, one of them has a Simpson shirt on. Yeah. So I just like, I liked it. It had the earrings. It had the mermaid. It had Bart. She still, you know what? They didn't make her lose Bart. Um, She had her cool earrings that she's been dying to have. She's got a zilly now. She's really grown up. She's got her, her night guard. She's got her makeup. Yeah. It's awesome. It's it's cool. Just how it's putting her together and showing how she's changed a bit. Yeah. But she's changed and that's the idea too is that and that's what that's one of the things I wanted to talk about too towards the end is that and and you just have have hit it perfectly that that she is this different person than she is when we first meet her but there's even the one scene where she like is a um she's a counselor for the Girl Scouts for the summer camp and the picture it's just one one panel but she's marching and being silly and having so much fun right before she starts high school and so she's still that she's still that person and it's still showing it's okay to go be goofy. Sometimes it's still okay to have your ugly dangly cat earrings because you love them. And if you love them, that's all that really matters. And so I think there's so many, and the little mermaid who doesn't, I mean, that's still a classic, right? Yeah. I mean, everybody should still like that. That's a good this one. The music's never gold somehow. Right. That's true. That's so true. No, I think that's a great point that you bring up. Cause yeah, to me, that was the thing too, is that she's saying is, there's something about her that doesn't change. She's a sensitive person who, who is, who's full of love and full of anxiety. And even though she's happy at the end and she smiles at the end and she's got good friends, none of that goes away. And that silly goofy kid is still in there. And obviously she's an adult woman who draws cartoons for them. Yeah. She's doing pretty good. She does. And this is an Eisner winner, which is like in comic book world, it's the Oscars of the comic books. Very so, nice. Yeah. I was actually going to ask you about that. Yep. I wasn't going to yep. ask on here because I didn't want to yep. look silly, but hey. That's what it thanks. is. Yep. It's right on the cover. Yep. She won the Eisner for this. Um, r- deservedly so. Um, I voted for her. She won last year. She won an Eisner last year for Guts. I voted. I'm an Eisner voter now. And um, nice. I, I got to vote for her. So that was, she's the only one I voted for who won. Everyone else I voted for. I, you know how I like to pick pick the underdogs. Yeah. I I wanted to circle back one more time before yeah, we let's end. Go. Um shout out to moms. I feel like she really did do a shout <laughs> out to her mom. I, I feel like Raina 
intentionally kept moms out of the book because that's lame in middle school how lame um <laughs> but she also had that moment where the orthodontic place uh, the people who did her gums oh my god totally when the mom messed up they didn't, yeah. they didn't put her under they didn't they didn't ask it the right way and she was in pain and she was so furious that they didn't talk to her and i thought that was a good depicting depiction of of a good mom and um you know I've seen my mom look like that sometimes so (laughs) I thought that was really cool and I I also though she wasn't always the nicest to her family I I love that she said how cool it was to her mom she told her mom just how cool she thought that was of her yeah yeah because yeah that's I I love that scene too because she um it's not only did they not do it right they didn't put her under they didn't ask I mean she's Mm -hmm. 13 years old and they don't come out and say, Hey, we're going to do this medical procedure on your 13 year old. So she lost her mind. Yeah. That was pretty awesome. And that scene was pretty graphic too. The, the gums are purple and mm-hmm. it was pretty, it was pretty intense. Yeah, no, that was good. That's nice. That's so. It was a, a nice shout out to moms. I thought. Yeah. That's made good. me think of mine. <laughs> Yay. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, that's good. Well, anything else? I mean, I love it. I think it's such a fun book. Um, I always end, the last question I always have is, we've kind of already touched on it, just who do you think should read this? Um, who would you recommend this to? Um, you've kind of already touched on it, but is there anybody else? Is there anyone else who you think, whether it's an actual person we know or, or, or just a type of person, who do you think needs to, needs to read this? I think um, I'll do a type of person since I already... I, I think it'd be a wonderful gift for like fifth graders going into middle school. Like maybe that's what I should start doing for my fifth graders before they leave me. Just <laughs> yeah. here you guys go. Each of you gets your own copy. But um, I think it's definitely a, a book that any person who is feeling not their best or unwell or who feels that they aren't fitting in or who feels different any of the above, anyone who's just feeling down on themselves should definitely take an opportunity to look at this book, no matter what age they are, because it just, it helps to point out that we're not all perfect. Um, The things we think, the things we say, and the things we do. Um, And we all go through these difficult situations. um, And once we make it through, we realize they they weren't so bad after all. Yeah, I I agree. I I think that's well said. I definitely think it's a I'm glad I went back and reread it. Um, I think this is one that you should, no matter how old you are, no matter what your gender is, if, if you have a copy, you should read it again. I was actually thinking, you know, you mentioned your fifth graders. I thought about your basketball team and I know because of COVID you didn't get to coach your, your girls this year. But I feel like, especially because you were a middle school athlete and that can be hard for all middle schoolers. But I think for girls, being an athlete is hard because again, you're like, trying to walk that balance between like being a girl. And like you said, you know, she wants gets her earrings and wants to wear makeup and do all this stuff, but also you just want to go be an athlete and get sweaty and, you know, do those things. And so it's such a, it can be not amongst each other, other athletes, but I think sometimes other girls um, give girls who are athletes stick and make them feel bad for it. So I think it'd be a good, a good mm-hmm. thing to give to, even though Raina's not a good athlete, yeah. The idea, you know, she, she, that's the point though, is that everybody feels a little bit different. Like in this book, she thought, Ooh, being an athlete will make me cool, but she's yeah. terrible. She has no coordination, which is why she, her teeth fall out in the first place. Cause she trips running up her own stairs, running up her own walkway. So, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So I just think anybody who, who, because that's the thing we think, Oh, the basketball players, they're the cool kids or the you know, the tall kids, they're the cool kids or the whatever are the cool kids, but they all, everybody feels outcast by somebody else. You know, there's no real king or queen of a mountain. And I, so I think. Um, no, there's always someone better than you. I talked to my seventh grader about that one day. Yeah. Recently, there will always be someone better than you. And that's okay. You cannot be the best at everything. It's true. That is true. And as the Ben Fold song says, there's always someone cooler than you as well. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Well, this was awesome. Thanks for saying yes to this. It's been You're good. You're welcome. Thank this you. The world's, the world's smallest book club. 
right now. I like show. it. It's, uh, I'll have to read more of the books that you post. Yeah, no, and we can't, well, we can do, there's more of these. So we can do the other two Reina books or whatever. The, um, you, there's, yeah, anything. We'll definitely do it again. This is good. And maybe this will convince, because Emma's been on. So will they be this convinced the other sisters to come on? Maybe. We could just have a big family. We'll just record family FaceTime next time and have it be a family book talk. I mean, that actually would probably convince some of them, I bet. Yeah, that's true. If you set a date and you said, we're all going to read this book. And we're just going to record it. It's going to be my show. And yeah. All right. That's a good idea. And it's recorded now. Everybody can hear it. Hear us talking about it. That's great. Yeah. (laughs) Well, do you have any, do you want to promote anything? Always at the end, I let guests promote themselves online if they wish to. Oh, I. You can, you don't have to, but if you would like. You know, if you want some more followers on in, on the gram, you can promote yourself. Um, I do have an Instagram. I I can't even think of the name of it right now because <laughs> I'm I I have fallen away from it a yeah. little bit. Um, what's the teacher? Let's is, plug your teacher stuff. Yeah, it's, you've got so your teacher story. If you want to follow me on Instagram, it's Kshea Creations, and then followed by CSD. And um, I do have a Teachers Pay Teachers site. I'm pretty proud of it. I've been gradually adding things to it. And um, a lot of my stuff is free on there. So definitely check out the free stuff if you are a teacher. Um, And if you're a teacher, you should read this book because I think it definitely can help some of your kids. So yeah, follow me on Teachers Pay Teachers or follow me on Instagram. I promise that I will eventually post again. Nice. Well, I'll put links in the show notes so people will just be able to click on your stuff. And they should, they should get on that because that's good stuff. Your teachers pay teacher stuff. You're just giving stuff away for free because that's the kind of person you are. You're like, I'm going to put all this work into it. You guys can just have this cool worksheet that I made. It's, it's pretty fun though. I get to make some clip art, which is cool. I'm not as good as Raina, but my clip art is pretty fun. It is pretty good. It's really good. I think it's really, the thing that I like best about it is the how, how like self-conscious you are of the fact that you're trying to represent everybody. Cause so much clip art is like, here's another white kid. And you're like, Hey, not everybody is a white kid. <laughs> Let's make clip art that is reflective of the world. So I appreciate that about, about the stuff that you make. Um, yeah. So we'll link to your teachers pay t-shirts and to your Instagram. So if you want to follow me, I'm at Twitter on tri- at Tricycle Blue Box, or you can go to my website if you want to. You should follow everybody on the Comics in Motion feed, which is where you're listening to this. Comics in Motion, we've got something every day, Star Wars and movies and all kinds of good stuff. Comics in Motion is proud to be sponsored by Renovations Press, home of the world-renowned tracksuit man, the story about traveling to which we can all relate and something we've all missed this last year. Renovations Press continues to make the decades-long quest to bring quality, independent comics to the masses with three comics each year featuring the supergroup slash government experiment gone wrong, section 12. Click the link in the show notes for more information about how you can buy some high-quality, independent comics. And stay tuned because each time a new issue comes out in 2021, Comics in Motion listeners will be eligible to win free copies of section 12. Click that link, check out Lenovations Press, support them on Patreon, you'll be happy you did. What started as just an appearance on Indie Comics Spotlight has turned into an excellent partnership between Comics in Motion and Lenovations Press. We look forward to bringing you some amazing content.